Good morning, and welcome to your Tech 5 Coffee Break with Ben Harrison. We live in a rapidly changing and confusing world of technology and media reporting. Today, we're going to talk about the weatherman. For generations, we've had a love-hate relationship with the weatherman, as special events, outdoor weddings, concerts, and vacations have had to be canceled or postponed due to unexpectedly bad weather. The art of weather forecasting began with early civilizations using reoccurring astronomical and meteorological events to help them monitor seasonal changes in the weather. Around 650 BC, the Babylonians tried to predict short-term weather changes based on the appearance of clouds and optical phenomena such as halos. By 300 BC, Chinese astronomers had developed a calendar that divided the year into 24 festivals. Each festival was associated with a different type of weather. And then around 340 BC, the Greek philosopher Aristotle wrote Meteorologica, a philosophical treatise that included theories about the information or the formation of rain, clouds, hail, wind, thunder, lightning, and hurricanes. In spite of significant errors in forecasting, Aristotle made some remarkably good observations concerning the weather, and his four-volume text was considered to be the authority on weather theory for almost 2,000 years. By the end of the Renaissance, there was a general agreement that speculations by natural philosophers were inadequate, and that instruments were needed to measure moisture, temperature, and pressure. The first known design for a hydrometer to measure the humidity of air was described by Nicholas Cusa in the mid-15th century. Galileo invented an early thermometer in 1592. And Evangelista Torricelli invented the barometer for measuring atmospheric pressure in 1643. The invention of the telegraph and telegraph networks in the mid-19th century allowed routine transmission of weather observation stations and as they began appearing worldwide, and weather forecasting began based on many observations taken simultaneously over a wide area, and global meteorological observation networks in the 19th and 20th century introduced observation-based weather forecasting. Advances in uh, monitoring weather at high altitudes was made in the 1920s with the invention of the radio sonde. Small, lightweight boxes equipped with weather instruments and a radio transmitter were carried into the atmosphere by a hydrogen or helium-filled balloon to an altitude of about 30 kilometers before bursting. These instruments transmitted temperature, moisture, and pressure data back to a ground station for producing weather maps or for insertion into computer models for weather prediction. Today, radio sondes are launched every 12 hours from hundreds of ground stations all over the world. The Weather Network itself is a Canadian English-language weather information specialty channel available in Canada, the U.S., and the United Kingdom. It delivers weather information on television, digital platforms, and TV apps. In addition to weather forecasting, the Weather Network <coughs> excuse me, periodically issues reports on what we can expect looking into the night sky. A recent headline stated, this spring, Canadians will see their longest total lunar eclipse in 15 years, plus meteor showers and a total lunar eclipse. 
A collection of some of the brightest planets in our sky will be spread along the eastern horizon just before sunrise all season long, plus the usual spring meteor showers. Also, if nothing else, be sure to clear your calendar for the night of May 15th to watch the moon turn blood red during the longest total lunar eclipse seen from Canada since 2007. Now, if you're out an hour or so just before sunrise, look to the southeast to see a cluster of planets along the horizon. To start, Venus, Mars, and Saturn will form a triangle that shifts morning by morning. And in early April, Jupiter will join the other planets just as Saturn and Mars approach for a close conjunction. For about two weeks this spring, evening sky watchers can catch glimpses of an immense cloud of interplanetary dust that encircles the sun and appears in our night sky as the zodiacal light. On clear nights and under dark skies, look to the western horizon in the half hour just after twilight has faded from about March 20th to April 3rd. On April 22nd, the annual Lyrid meteor shower will reach its peak, and Lyrid meteors can be spotted in the night sky any time between April 14th to 30th, with the best viewing time on the three nights around its peak, April 20th to 24th. Lyrid meteors originate from a steam of dusty, icy meteoroid debris left behind by Comet Thatcher. As Earth passes through the stream, the tiny meteoroids slam into the top of the atmosphere at speeds of around 100,000 kilometers per hour, turning the air in their path into white-hot plasma. This causes the meteor flash that we see in the sky. Now, during 2022, we will have two partial solar eclipses, the first of which occurs on the 30th of April and lasts for just under four hours from 2.46 p.m., reaching its maximum at around 4.40 p.m. On the night of the 15th, the dark shadow of the moon will slowly creep across the face of the moon so that by 11.30 it will be completely covered, turning a dusky red color. The eclipse will reach its maximum just after midnight. According to NASA, with the total eclipse lasting nearly an hour and 25 minutes, this will be the longest total lunar eclipse seen from Canada since 2007. Given how polluted our night skies are with urban light, it's difficult to just step outside and gaze up at the stars, and even more difficult to watch an event such as a meteor shower. So here's some suggestions to observe the night sky. Check the weather. Get as far away from city light pollution as you can, and be patient. When viewing a meteor shower, they're at their best when viewed during the new moon or crescent moon, allowing at least 20 minutes for your eyes to adjust from being exposed to bright light. Then, just look straight up and enjoy the view. You've been listening to Tech 5 with Ben Harrison from Muskoka's only nonprofit radio station, Hunters Bay Radio 88.7. FM.